All right, Supertones, let's rock. I know. I mean, like to like like. I mean, I think one of the funniest things we did by accident was accidentally asking you guys to record an episode about ska on the election day. <laughs> That's okay. It didn't occur to me either. I was way more concerned with uh, I don't know whatever bullshit I was concerned about last week than I am now. So it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's that's complete. How like completely out of the loop this podcast is to current events. <laughs> this is, is going to come out th- like this time next week. Yeah, the election just like came and went though. You know, just totally anticlimactic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Yeah, yeah be easy to miss. Of... You know, just blink. <laughs> just, you know. I hope though. I hope I don't have to hear about it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I assume there will be nothing else that comes out no, about nothing. this. I think that everybody <laughs> will be happy with. Yep, no weird contesting things or every everyone believes the, the results House. for sure. Yeah, everyone yes. believes the results. Uh, we're all at a brunch. It's great. Yeah, if there's anything that can be said about America is that we trust the system. <laughs> That's right. And what I love about Donald Trump is how subtle he is and uh, noble. Mm-hmm. Nobility is the word yeah. that comes to mind for me. Yeah. He's a man of class. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A man who respects like, the rules. Exactly. <laughs> Donald Rule Respector Trump. That's how he yeah, got the that's, name. That's what, they that's call what the J mm-hmm. stands for. Yeah. <laughs> it's silent, but it's there. Much like Trump. Silent, but there. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, um, well, listeners of the show know that, uh, you know, Jared and I are going through a rough patch right now. So we're uh, we're working our way through the evangelical marriage counseling advice book, The Love Dare. We're on day mm-hmm. nine. Love makes good impressions. Uh, it started with First uh, mm. Peter 514. Greet one another with a kiss of love. <laughs> Today's dare. You really don't want that, Josiah. <laughs> and let me tell you why. <laughs> oh, no. I've got more than love to share at the moment. <laughs> Today's dare. Think that of really a... is a love dare. <laughs> it's the COVID <clears throat> dare. Ahem. <clears throat> Today's dare. Think of a specific way you'd like to greet your spouse today. Do it with a smile and in with and with enthusiasm. Then determine to change your greeting to reflect your love for them. So I'm going to go ahead and say, welcome to Very Legal, Very Cool, an episode about how great of a co-host Jared is. Aww. That's why if you see in the chat, we were sending uh, Kenneth Copeland clips and stuff. But Absolutely. It's just scary. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> like, what could... Think about all the terrible things that could crawl out of his gaping mouth. I don't know. He seems pretty well adjusted. <laughs> the media said what? 
Yeah, that's, I'm that's always saying that myself. Whenever I see like a like a New York Times headline about Bolivia, that's uh, that's exactly how I react. <laughs> yeah. And when I think normal, well-adjusted laugh. <laughs> I like Kenneth Copeland looks like a Halloween decoration. <laughs> that's true. He is spirit Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, today we are uh, greeted with uh, the Magnificast, Matt Bernico and Dean Detloff. Um, yes. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Good to be here with all of you. Yeah. And today we're a uh... <laughs> live studio audience. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about Ska. I don't know. Jared, do we want to ask them some questions first? Sure. Sure. So, guys, who'd you vote for? Oh boy. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus for president. Jesus for president. That's what I've always said. Amen. Wrote him right in Amen. there. One Lord and Savior, one president, and one executive branch. That's what I always say. That's what we say. <laughs> that sounds good and correct. Uh all right, next question here. Uh Christian and communist? How is that possible? <laughs> I'm gonna let you feel this one, Matt. Uh <laughs> Communism is in the Bible. What are you going to do about it? There we go. It's, it's all there. So, sorry, conservative Christians. There's, it's in Acts, and you got to deal with it. There you go. It's in Acts twice, in chapter 2 and chapter 4. Yeah. And there's Mad- also all the good stuff in James about paying people the right amount of money. So uh, I don't know, man. A lot of room in there for communism, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you two are actually the real fundamentalists. That's true. true. <laughs> Just a couple of Bible-believing Christians over here. That's why I always tell my mom. makes her feel better Uh, so fuck Mary kill the supertones five iron frenzy and the insiders so this is so easy (laughs) kill the insiders right away that's so Uh, bad mm -hmm. Uh, fuck the OC supertones they're they're hot but they're not going to get you there every day and uh, five iron frenzy for the long haul I think Man, I feel like I gotta disagree only in oh so far as I would swap Fire Iron Frenzy and the Supertones, and here's why. The Supertones, mm. their marriage material, they've got it together. They know the time is too precious to waste it being cool. Fire Iron Frenzy, <laughs> first of all, there's a lot of Fs in there, and secondly, those guys are wild. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I, um, maybe I'll change my mind, too. I'll, whatever you say, Dean, I'm in. <laughs> I'm into the... I was gonna say, I agree with Matt. Huh. Well, okay, now I'm turning back around, now that my opinion's popular. No, I'm, I'm with... <laughs> no, this I'm is definitely... also how every episode of the Magnificast is, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, leading off that, who's who's hotter? Uh, Fidel Castro, uh, young Stalin, and Joe Biden? Fidel, oh, Fidel, Fidel, yeah, 100% Fidel. Fidel. Got that good beard. It's great. <laughs> but, like, old Fidel. Yeah, yeah. Old Fidel, young Fidel. I've never met a Fidel I didn't like. That's true. You guys have voiced your opinions on uh, the Supertones, Five Iron Frenzy, and the Insiders, but what credentials do you really have to be talking about and expressing opinions about third wave Christian ska? I did play the alto saxophone in middle school band and for a couple years in high school in a community band, so you could say I know a thing or two about woodwinds. (laughs) That's perfect. I don't think I knew that about you, Dean. I didn't know you played. I didn't know you were a saxophone man. Yeah, just like Bill Clinton. Oh. (laughs) Just Just like like Bill Clinton. (laughs) 
<laughs> just, just, just the like, only similarity. I do want to make that very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you meet just Dean, you're like just Bill like, Clinton. oh my god, he is so like Bill Clinton. Everything, <laughs> accent. Um, uh, me personally, I spent hours. Uh, probably, probably if you added all the hours up, days uh, in ska concerts in various venues. So I think, I think I, I have a little bit of room to talk here. I think, uh, I think I'm yeah. a a ska expert just by seat hours alone by credit a hours expert mm. <laughs> got like a minor in ska that's right i do it says nice. it on my transcripts and uh i keep sending it around to all my uh, all my employers <laughs> and they don't know what to do with that but they're sure excited <laughs> to have me they keep saying hey that's not a real school <laughs> uh leading off that w- would you say that ska is the most radical form of music <laughs> uh what are the what are the metrics here? What does that mean? I, you know, politically radical. Oh, probably not. <laughs> it's yeah. the most fun. I, it's the most it's fun. Per, type of it's music. very fun. Uh, Scott. So it's I like mean, the most radical. Yeah, it's a wild. It's a wild musical tradition. There's a radical tradition in ska. I'll say this much: Fire and Frenzy is the most radical that you can get in terms of Bush era evangelicalism, and so they've got that going for them. And that's saying something. That is so. saying something. Yeah. So speaking of Bush era evangelicalism, should uh, should Josiah be Catholic? Josiah, that were depends. you? Yeah, were you born in the Catholic Church? Did you no. leave? No. Oh. <laughs> but he's been flirting with it for a few years. Uh, how do you feel about really tall hats? Uh, I do like tall hats. Yeah. I mean, that's if you can get over that hump, it's basically like what what's what are you waiting for? All right, I'm in. Right, and that's this is two for two on uh, on guests telling you to be Catholic, Josiah. So I think that pretty much sums it up. I, I think okay. I'm in now. But Dean does get a kickback every time he gets someone to join Catholicism from the Catholic Church. So <laughs> yeah, this is what I get we're for all about sharing kickbacks. that with a Protestant. Yeah, he, he, he does. <laughs> it does get paid commission. <laughs> the great there's a finder's fee. <laughs> All right. Well, last but not least, what are you guys drinking today? Let's do that. Uh, I am drinking Havana Club to support the Cuban project. Uh, oh, yeah. One thing about me that has never changed is that I'm still an evangelical insofar as I can't buy anything without feeling bad about it. So if I buy uh, if I buy alcohol, I still have to do my good socialist duty to make sure that I'm supporting my friends in Cuba. That's awesome. Fantastic. Um, I just have regular capitalist beer. <laughs> <laughs> It tastes like uh, unpaid overtime and wage theft. Yeah, <laughs> delicious. Uh, in the in the same line, I am drinking a Budweiser, the king of beers, um, which is a monarchist beer, actually. But mm. yeah, still waiting for the bourgeois revolution in the yeah, country yeah. of Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking water, just plain old water. <laughs> Good, gotta stay hydrated. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. are sick. Exactly. I'm not gonna pick on you for that. Ha. Ha. So I think let's let's do something a little unorthodox on this show. Oh shit! Given what? that you guys also run a podcast and uh, a fairly successful one at that, can you tell us a bit about yourselves? Yeah, that's probably a good idea, actually, rather than just the mean spirited, uh, meaningless questions. <laughs> I didn't even feel like it was that mean spirited. Yeah, these more weren't very mean. No, these weren't as mean yeah. as we've done in the past. Yeah, well, you can crank it up if you want, but I'm okay. not gonna. I'm not telling you how to run your. Well, no, I'm going to tell you how to run your own podcast because I. Because yeah. <laughs> you guys are the pros. I do have a semi-successful one. <laughs> um, do tell. Okay. Yeah. Hi. 
I'm Matt Bernico. I have a podcast called The Magnificast, and um, I co-host it with Dean, the other guy. Wow, thanks for finally bringing me in here. I was so nervous. Uh, here's Matt. I have a podcast called The Magnificast. Uh, I'm glad I came in as an appendix at the end. Um, yeah, we uh, we do. We, <laughs> excuse me, I have a podcast called The Magnificast, and I co-host it with uh, Matt Bernico, this other guy. Uh, and what do you guys talk about on The Magnificast? All uh, right, we should tell you that, too. We talk about Christianity and leftist politics of all varieties, and uh, we end up talking about Five Iron Frenzy probably more often than we should. That's Which is like four fantastic. or five times. Yeah, four or five times out of like 200 episodes. So it's it's not that bad. <laughs> nice. And just think, you can make it six right here, right now. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I think that we got all the pleasantries out of the way. So let's uh, dive in. Let's dive in. All right. So I guess I guess we probably start out like we probably shouldn't assume everyone knows what ska is. I mean, I don't really know how you could follow either of us four on Twitter without having to caught on to that at one point or another. But let's uh, I probably should like get into that. What 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 do you guys define? Like, what is ska? Whew, that's a tough one. Uh, it's not that tough. I, I'll just tell you. <laughs> uh ska is i mean it's a genre of music and everyone loves it and everyone thinks it's great and no one has ever said otherwise um i think that let's see if you want to talk about history and i do um ska is like a it's like an interesting sort of like like pastiche of jamaican music and also like uh like american like r&b and like blues music um that would kind of bleed over from the radios uh in like the 50s um so yeah i mean it, it starts off as this like sort of like jamaican mashup of like folk music and then popular uh american music which i think is super fascinating actually uh but anyways it uh is i, I guess like what makes ska ska is like this really particular guitar chop it's like an upstroke rather than a downstroke and uh everyone's crazy about it that's what that's what makes ska ska and then there's all kinds of other like horns and uh you know uh sort of rhythmic elements that are um sort of borrowed from other musical styles that's that's ska right there yeah and then it you know it kind of yeah got merged with like i don't know there's like this weird punk revolution of it in like the 90s well, um, yeah, there's yeah. a lot going on. Like in the 60s, there's uh, like, OK, so I mean, there's like a oh, it's hard to tell the story of Scott without talking about geopolitics as well. And I don't really want to go into like in depth, but uh, like lots of like. But hear like, me out. But hear what me if out. You did? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, uh there's like lots of like immigration between uh, Jamaica and the UK because of colonialism and like lots of other stuff. But a lot of um, a lot of like the Scott as we know it today, like kind of gets a start in the 60s in the UK when like these uh, really particular types of yeah like Jamaican musicians make it over to to England um, and the United States too but mostly the United, uh, the UK first that's uh, the 60s is sort of the wave of ska that people call two-tone ska it's the second wave that's like the sort of the first mashup of ska music uh, like the Jamaican ska music with like uh, like British punk rock sort of but not like um, like the clash think of the clash and yeah, and yeah. like jamaican music not like uh, american hardcore or something and then uh just like you're saying sorry i don't mean to like be a ska hog right no, now no uh, <laughs> no in, you're giving more 90s. detail you're giving more detail than i probably would have so it's good <laughs> yeah in the 80s and 90s it kind of makes its way to the united states in a more serious way where it does kind of get mashed up with like what you might call punk or just hardcore punk and uh then you get all of the the third wave ska bands that people love to hate, like Real Big Fish and Less Than Jake and stuff. And and also yeah, Five yeah. Iron Frenzy. 
Um, but Christian Very Scott fancy. Band, I do love to love. Mm-hmm. For sure. And yeah, I think I think we'll based off our own interests and stuff, we're probably going to be focusing specifically on uh, Christian third wave ska, which is the most niche topic for a podcast episode I think we might have ever done. But I, I feel like the the like holy trinity of that being like Five Iron Frenzy, Supertones and Insiders is like a really good way to capture something weird that was going on, I guess, in evangelical culture at one point. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I mean, the wild thing about Christianity is that it's very bad at relating to culture in general. Um, but uh, like by the time you get to the 90s, especially with ska bands like Fiber and Frenzy or the Supertones or the Insiders, but there's a bunch of other ones too, like the W's and some, I don't know, like all kinds of orbiting figures. There's like a weird, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like where Christians are often afraid of culture or see themselves in opposition to culture. There's this kind of embrace of culture in a way that is sometimes actually genuinely interesting. Um, yeah. Other times very mm-hmm. embarrassing, but all the time uh, we were involved in it. So <laughs> that is what it is. Yeah, I, I think of like, at least in my personal experience with like Christian music growing up, I think of like ska and then kind of like your your emo and hardcore stuff as the genres of music that the evangelicals who was who were making music were like actually participating in the movement rather than just kind of copying it. Yeah. Um I don't know. I think there's exceptions of that in other cases. Like I think like maybe Switchfoot or Reliant Care or whatever would be exceptions or to that. Or striker. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But but on the whole, like I think of especially like ska was like a weird moment where like if you were into ska, you would probably still be into Five Iron Frenzy, even if you weren't a Christian, you know, mm. uh, in a way that that wouldn't be the case with, you know, uh, a lot of like the a lot of other genres, I feel like. Yeah, I think it's a really good observation, though, that like um, uh, Five Iron Frenzy being I think I, I'm more so that more so Five Iron Frenzy than OC Supertones and the Insiders. I mean, I think that this, they all kind of shared some type of commercial success, but Five Iron Frenzy, like you said, they weren't just copying it like other Christian punk bands or something, right? Like, I mean, um, I mean, there's all kinds of. I don't want to put anyone on blast. I don't want to say any anyone. I don't want to make fun of any Christian punk bands because um, I don't want anyone to be mad at me. But you know, <laughs> uh, in a lot in a lot of cases, like they're really just like copying other punk bands right like they're secular right. punk bands and five Iron frenzy i mean they do it to a certain extent but i think that um they you know they did that was interesting that was sort of bigger than just like well they're a christian ska band you know they sort of transcended the the um defining features of that or whatever right. everyone likes five Iron frenzy regardless yeah. whether or not you went to church so what's what's everybody's experience with ska i guess maybe let's start it with jared my first experience with ska was Back when I was maybe 12 years old, perhaps, um, I purchased The Wizard Needs Food Badly by Five Iron (laughs) Frenzy on iTunes, and I listened to it on repeat for a long time (laughs) and never listened to any other ska. Huh. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, it could have been worse. It's a good album. Yeah, right. it's a good one. No, 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 just the song, just the oh, one just song, the song. <laughs> right? Oh, over and over. That singular yeah. song. That's the it's one a, ska song. It's a I, good song. It's a great song. I just listened to it earlier today. I like holds that you, up. You were the one that was pushing so hard for us to do an episode about ska, and so that that look behind the curtain makes this ten times funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a I did see a ska band at um, Audio Feed, the predecessor to Cornerstone. Mm. Um, a couple times, something, something jacuzzi in the name. 
Oh. Wait, you mean successor, right? Audio feed yes. is yeah, post cornerstone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Sorry, that's definitely not off. the predecessor. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Few people are. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. For, for me, like I grew up, my dad was weirdly into the OC Supertones. I, I don't know why. Um, and so, like, I grew up with just Supertones Strike Back playing in the background of like most of my childhood. Uh, which probably did something weird on like a Freudian level, but I don't really want to think about that. Um, and then in high school, I kind of had like a return to ska um, and just like rediscovered like Five Iron Frenzy and stuff. Insiders is not at all. Uh, I, I didn't really have any experience with Insiders, to be fully honest. But mm. yeah, um, I do think it's kind of interesting because I, I think yeah, Jared and I are definitely uh, a bit younger than you guys. So you guys have experience like you guys went to Cornerstone. Like, I don't think I would have ever really. You've lived had... the ska. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we never would have had the chance, I don't think. <laughs> I, I had the chance and I didn't take it, which I'm very sad about. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. That's true. We've we've lived the ska and lived to tell about it. Afterwards. <laughs> that's right. Rode the ska. Um, <laughs> I yeah. I my experience with ska is uh, m- you know maybe a bit more uh, detailed than yours, just by virtue of being older, but not that yeah, yeah. much more. Um, <laughs> like I uh, I mean I was a true believer evangelical in the the early 2000s, so my situation was like. You know, you should for sure listen to whatever good Christian bands there are. And like, maybe if you can make a really good case for it, you could try to listen to a secular band. Yeah. But well, I still you should... feel that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we all do. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, as a pertain to ska, uh, I can say at that time in my life, I was basically like Fire and Frenzy, my favorite band. They were probably they were my favorite band 100 percent from like age, I don't know, 12 to like 15 or something. Um, and, uh, besides that, the Supertones, the W's, the Insiders, all the rest of them, um, I don't know. I, I remember, like, one time hearing, like, a song by the Muddy Muddy Bostones in high school and being like, should I like these guys? Because they're not singing about Jesus Christ. Um, and, and what do you know, I did like it. Uh, so, that's my experience with Scott, an extremely Christian, extremely limited kind of engagement i mean later in life i kind of went back and listened to other folks like the specials and whatever the kind of canonical yeah, yeah. people but like in my Light manifesto yeah like my formative years mm-hmm. is uh is all just extremely christian <laughs> ska <laughs> uh i i love like how bad evangelical or like i guess christian culture kind of messes you up because like I, I, imagining Mighty Mighty Boss Tones as a as a band that's too edgy to listen to is something that <laughs> like the people that provided America's funniest home videos with their <laughs> theme song. <laughs> it's too, it's too risque, you know. Um, moms across the country are stealing the Walkmans away from their kids. Uh, you know, the worst part is my parents had absolutely zero oversight on my culture habits. It was all completely, purely like Foucauldian oh, self-imposed imprisoning of, of my own. Yeah, it was I, the worst. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. That's depressing. I, I remember like my parents, my dad listened to music with like curse words in it all the time. And I, but I would never do that. I like refused to let myself listen to music with swearing in it for a good Not only of my that, life. but you would censor the music music that i listened to i don't remember that <laughs> shit i remember i started listening to the offspring in high school and you oh were my. like oh um, not oh yeah maybe in, maybe early high school yeah 
I <laughs> I remember like once I started breaking out of that, the first thing I did was listen to um, "Rock in the Suburbs" by Ben Folds because I'd wanted to listen to that nice. song forever. Uh, but I hadn't allowed myself to listen to it because of all the The only way I could ever let myself listen to that was just through Over the Hedge. So I would just watch that on repeat. Oh, and just like the clean version? The movie. <laughs> That's amazing. It's anyway, so, Matt. It's, yeah, okay. well, it's so weird the ways that like uh, evangelical kids, I guess, like ourselves, like we come up with these weird... <laughs> I don't know, like methods of survival to listen to music where we like let ourselves enjoy it, but not too much. <laughs> That's cool. Um, sometimes I have these revelations and I feel like <laughs> like deeply in trouble. <laughs> like I'm feeling like a lot of anxiety about it. What, well, Matt, anyways, sorry, uh, what, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what was your what was the first secular band that you like gave yourself over to? That you were I, like, I'm going to like them. Who yeah. did you give it up to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think it was Anti-Flag. I think I really liked Anti-Flag. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah but like um but i think i don't know if this is your experience as well i'd be really interested to hear actually i know dean and i have talked about this a bit but like uh if you listen to secular music and when you're an evangelical youth it means that you and like or at least i would um do this like over interpreting every single word and trying to apply it to my christian walk mm-hmm. and kind of like trying to like baptize whatever i'm listening to to make myself feel better better about it um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just my own weird idiosyncrasy, but um, it seems no, like. Same here. Okay. No, I did the same Good. thing. Thank God. Yeah. Well, I, I remember doing that too um, uh, with with this uh, this like more electronic artist I got into, uh, Robert DeLong, for a while because mm. he's a very explicit atheist. Um, and so I remember justifying it nonstop with people and just being like, well, uh, I, I think the criticism is good and it helps me strengthen my faith by listening to that kind of criticism of the of it. And like, I still had to justify it even after I'd allowed myself to start listening to secular stuff. And like, even into like maybe the beginning of college, like not with music, but with like philosophy, I always had to like, if I was reading Sartre or something, I had to make myself uh, find a way that Sartre and Christianity were compatible Hmm. and stuff like that. So I I really relate to that. I don't know. Yeah. It's fascinating the ways that we do this to ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, cool. Gonna have to, like, have a big think about that one later. Um, <laughs> gonna have to have a minor crisis over this in a bit. Yeah, we'll ha- we'll so. save that for later. If it's only a minor crisis, it's gonna be okay. Um, okay. let's see. I have a, I have a long, a long ska history, a ska story, if you will. Um, I will. Your ska stimony? Yeah, my, let me share my ska stimony. Let me start with my career and share my ska stimony with you all. Um, I think, I mean, I was in, you know, I was listening to, like, punk music when I was, like, 13 or 14 or whatever just because i don't know I, friends are influential i suppose because you were but extremely yeah. cool is what you're saying was, we, we was, get it man regardless he then uh i guess um but yeah i I, uh, I got a tooth and nail sampler at youth group and uh i think it had no c super Ooh. tense track on it probably if not i had a squad 50 track on it for sure and i was really into that um i think that was kind of like the start of it you know i, I um i started getting into that into tooth and nail stuff and um that was all cool and whatever, no big deal. Uh, I, I I remember I went to this uh, huge uh, OC Supertones concert once that was at a, it was like this big outdoor concert that was, I don't know, not too far from my house in Northern Illinois. And uh, it was rad. I loved it. Um, but then w- when I got a little bit older and I could drive, um, I found out there was actually a thriving ska scene in Northern Illinois. And oh, uh, I went to like every single show I possibly could. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's wild. There was this... Um, Okay, 
so there's this place called Lad, Illinois, and really Lad isn't really a town. Mm-hmm. It's like a truck stop, but there's this um, there's also a truck stop and there's the Mexican restaurant and the Mexican restaurant would rent them rent their like venue out to like high school kids playing in ska bands. Uh, so I'd go to these like ska shows in the middle of nowhere in Illinois, and there were like three or four different local ska bands. And I was just like I was into it. I was so into it. Um, I'll say, I mean, that persists. Um and there's there's a an active ska band in Washington, Illinois that I, I know a few people in. No way. What are they called? The the Skaz band. Oh man. Sounds oh, great. Man. You're, you're, you're making solid. you're making like memories flood back that I'll I'll have to mention in a second. But holy <laughs> well, shit. Well, I mean Illinoisans, they love ska. That's the one thing you that's, gotta know about. That's what they Illinois. say. Oh, we sure do. <laughs> yeah well after i was going to those shows i um i ended up going to like cornerstone and other things like that and seeing five iron frenzy a few times i i was at uh i saw five iron frenzy at judson college which is a, a christian school by chicago it was their last show ever and then um and then they got back together so it wasn't but um it was great man it was a <laughs> it was a it was a life-changing experience <laughs> i guess man. oh yeah. man yeah, I, I just remembered I did have like a little bit of experience with like really late, just like the last, you know, beating heart of ska in Iowa, where it was, um, oh, I saw I saw this band that is since broken up, but it was like, I mean, like you could find them on Spotify with like less than a thousand listens called Illway. Uh, they had an album called Something New to Do, and they sounded like kind of like just pop punky ska but it was like the, the only ska adjacent thing i'd ever seen live and so i was just eating that shit up like it sounded yeah. like if, if <laughs> fallout boy was a ska band but i was just so thrilled to see that and so then they opened for this band that i went went to see called Askultura, uh which is like this i think florida based ska band and they're like uh like a spanish type ska band so it's like oriented around like i don't know a very like latin american feel it was super dope like singing songs about soccer it was so cool <laughs> <laughs> well there's nothing like, going to, like a real ska like a ska show in person it's uh it's a good it's, dope. it's a it's a great feeling it's way more fun than going to a punk show it's way more fun than going to a hardcore show just yeah just skanking and getting sweaty with your friends it's the best it's all that <laughs> it's all that brass <laughs> it's, it's all the brass <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like one of the crazy Askeltura was one of the craziest shows I've ever seen, and it was they performed to two people. Like nobody came out to the show. Hell yeah! And Oof. they still like they set a drum on fire at one point. And they just <laughs> did this to like the bartender and me. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's <my vacation. laughs> that is. Uh, but the brass will do it to you, you know. Yeah, it makes the get <laughs> Yeah, that brass fever. <laughs> <laughs> More to the right than OC Supertones is a hell of a sentence. That's not hey, something. I'm looking at their Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm looking at their Wikipedia right now, and it says in 1999 they were on the 700 Club. So oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring can that we, up. I- can we do a political compass of Five Iron Frenzy Supertones <laughs> and, and Insiders? Yes.
Uh, let's see. I think I think Fiverr and Frenzy. I would put them um, just left of center. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, the OC Supertones are. Um, hmm. No, they're they're further to the left than Fiverr and Frenzy. Maybe. Whoa, whoa! That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Supertones farther to the left than. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. What have you How, listened to American uh, Pie tonight? <laughs> Uh, it's just something I said, and then mm-hmm. I'm gonna stick with it, and that's it. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait, maybe I'll respect that. Let me go back on. Let me go back on. Okay, how about this? So here's a, f- a fun Supertones fact. Um, uh, in uh, <laughs> in 1999, the Supertones <laughs> okay. did all right. Op- they mm-hmm. they did open for uh, Pope John Paul's uh, uh, visit to St. Louis, Missouri. So they opened for the Pope. So maybe. <laughs> They are together uh, with DC talk. Yeah, that's right. So like maybe they're in the upper, like just in the upper right hand quadrant um, of, of the, uh, of the political compass. Yeah. I gotta say fire and frenzy. They're a bizarre, uh, a bizarre thing in general, a bizarre phenomenon. We can talk more about them, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like they've got to be, I mean, they're definitely anti-capitalist resolutely and good, yes. on, yes. good on them for that. Yes. They're, I would put them in a more sort of libertarian socialist, like ultra left position, except when it comes to issues of Christian morality. So that does mm. draw them back to the center, but for sure, anti-statist, anti-capitalist Christian ska. Yeah, although I, I think in some ways all of them have kind of come back, uh, like gone back on the kind of uh, Christian, uh, the moral issues stuff. Uh, not not fully, but they've they've definitely toned it down quite a bit. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Reese Roper has been kind of an outspoken political person every, every now and again. Uh, Reese Roper, if you don't know, he is the lead singer from Five Run Frenzy. Yeah, um, he's cool. He's he's part. all right. Um, uh, oh, the Insiders. Let's talk about them really quick. The Insiders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're my least favorite Christian ska band. They're libertarians uh, for no reason. Just they are. <laughs> either either complete <laughs> bottom, <Just> a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> complete bottom right or complete top right. Like they're either fascists or libertarians. <laughs> I don't really know. One of the two. <laughs> I have a uh, one one relevant insider story that is completely fragmented, but I'll share it here on this podcast because where else could it possibly go? Um, <laughs> which is one time in high school. I went to a charismatic youth group and I oh knew boy. a person at that youth group who knew a guy in the insiders. And that was like his whole identity, <laughs> his whole thing. Would you say so. that he knew an insider in the insiders? Oh he was, he was, <laughs> he had just an insiders outside inside the insiders. I, he was, he was just outside the insiders. Ooh. So he was more of an outsider. We're all <laughs> sort of the outsiders. <laughs> wow um in case in case no one knows why the insiders are so terrible i mean well first of all just go listen to them for like 30 seconds i don't like them um I, man at the, at the top of the show i was like wow i don't want to say anything mean about anyone but here i am um good we're, I think, we're glad you've come around i think the thing that sucks about the insiders so much is that they have so many covers of worship songs and they're not like dog covers of worship songs they're just worship songs <laughs> like what's the point i don't know like <laughs> They're, they're I, I will ska. say they've got they've got covers that are like deceptively normal, but then like break out into ska for very <laughs> short periods of time, which, which I enjoy. I, I will say is the funniest use of ska you can do. I, I would say <laughs> right. just sporadic ska in an otherwise yeah. normal song. Where, where you're like, oh, I'm listening art. to a normal ska, like a normal song, and then all of a sudden it just like out of nowhere a trombone shows Horns. up and it's upbeats and it's <laughs> use to of ska fair. is a great way to put it. <laughs> 
to be fair, the OC Supertones do have a worship album as well, but it's like more palatable uh, yeah. than the Insiders even. Or maybe that's just in my brain. That's just how it works out. Um, hey, let me throw one more into the mix here, though, because we have three and you need to have four for a political compass. That's true. Um, so uh, now this is going to be a stretch. Um, so do you guys know about the band, the Aquabats? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. I do. So they're they are um, le- like legitimately the best ska band there's ever been. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they are, are um, a-, a bunch of them. A bunch of the members did go to Brigham Young University in Utah. Uh, and they are uh, some of them are religious and they're Mormons and they go in the upper left hand <laughs> quadrant because they're also comrades. So there you go. That's there you go. crazy. Huh. Yeah. What do you know? There you go. That is a stretch. I never thought of the Aquabats as, as Christian, but yeah. I, I suppose they I are. I mean, like they are not really, but uh, sometimes. <laughs> just yeah. like everyone in the upper left quadrant. Yeah, just, exactly. <laughs> just, like, yeah, just like you should be in the upper left quadrant. Man, the Aquabats are so good, though. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. Aquabats had uh, Travis Barker in it originally from uh, Blink One Eighty Two. The, the drummer, really? yeah, the drum, drummer from Blink One Eighty Two was originally the Aquabats. I don't know if that's true. It is. I just found it on Wikipedia because I was nervous to say that unless I was sure of it. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. <laughs> well, it's on Wikipedia. It's on Wikipedia. That's most of the citation we that's, use for this podcast. That is so. our standard of truth here at Very Legal, Very Cool. Well, there is I a mean, classic Five Iron Frenzy lyric that goes, it's on the internet, so then it must be true. That's true. Hey, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I live by that. Oh, man. We should get that line on your soundboard, because that's pretty much the, <laughs> the thesis statement of this show. Agreed. Here's one thing we can definitely agree on. Which is that, that Five Iron Frenzy is the most uh, the most incisive political Christian band that achieved any mainstream success in the 1990s. I'll say that. That's true. I'll put that <laughs> on the table. <laughs> yeah, man. I can say that with confidence. Yeah, I I was thinking that because, um, well, okay, so like Five Iron Frenzy is weird because um, I, I feel like they were one of the most radical bands I was listening to at the time that I was listening to them. And and I know that because I kept having uh, get your riot gear playing in my head over the mm-hmm. summer, by it like like yeah, a Christian ska song was was just like always playing in my head over the summer in regards to BLM protests, and so mm. I'm gonna say that's probably the most radical uh, ska band that I grew up around. Would you say that Five Iron Frenzy radicalized you in an indirect kind of way? I planted the seeds early might- on. Might unironically say that probably like did plant some seeds yeah I mean, i'll say american yes for kryptonite, sure yeah, yeah american kryptonite i mean get your riot gear is probably the first anti-cop song i'd ever really like heard yeah i don't know true absolutely i remember feeling like weirdly conflicted when i heard that song at first yeah. like um like not really knowing what to make of the the anti-cop sentiment and just kind of like i don't know having to have a big think about it but yeah i mean i think that fire and frenzy probably did a lot for my brain um american kryptonite is a great example of that kind of thing but um i don't know it's all really good i mean just like I, this is gonna sound some like, like some some cheesy bullshit but like i think it's um for people who are like enmeshed in evangelical culture seeing people who can like um be politically progressive if not just like outright left wing but still being like within the larger fold of christianity is like i think really important uh mm. you know it gives you it gives you permission to like try something different and think a different way and uh five iron frenzy is i guess important for that reason yeah yeah yeah, yeah i that's... think that's right yeah i and, mean and they had a lot of like staying power too because when they came back you know in 2012 2013 with their their last album 
you know, they they ran at the time the single largest Kickstarter of all time. Like mm. it was one of the the most highly funded projects on on the platform. I think what's kind of interesting about Five Hundred Frenzy Two um, is okay. I mean, so, so by the time they're coming back, though, it's kind of iffy if you can call them a Christian band anymore. Like Reese Roper's definitely mm-hmm. like a Christian, but like a, a pastor. lot. Of, yeah, he's a pastor. He's actually at Scum of the Earth Church, which I'll talk about later. They're pretty cool, huh. actually. Um, but um, no, the the other two, um, or not other two, but two, two others lost their faith. And that was just like interesting because I knew that, but I was like looking over it today before the show. And it um, it just like kind of hit me hard in a way because both of them had really understandable reasons for like leaving the faith. And um, so like, but, but when they, they did that around like the 2000s, like early 2000s is when they left the faith and then eventually left the band. And then when they did the like reunion, they brought those two back. So like the band wasn't even fully Christian anymore by then, which kind of makes sense. I guess maybe that's why the, that's the band I preferred the most is because they were the most out there. But like Scott Kerr, uh, he, he was like, well, he says he, he said he left Christianity because he was study he studied apologetics after he got doubt and apologetics mm. just ruined his faith, which uh, was one of the most painfully right. relevant things I've ever heard. Um, sure. And then uh, Andrew Verdecchio, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. Uh, he he started losing the faith after um, 9-11 because of Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell claiming that uh, the gays caused it. Sure. Um, and then after that, he's like, um, he didn't want to not believe it. And then he uh, tried to read all the like apologetics books and it just convinced him it wasn't true. Damn. <laughs> that well. is so wild. Um, so wild that they could hang on to that that long, though, because like... Um, in one sense, that's actually, it feels extremely on brand for Fire and Franzi's version of Christianity, because even in the 90s, before any of that stuff, um, they had, like, songs about, I mean, they're a conservative Christian band, but in a particular kind of way, like in a, I don't know, I don't want to throw out too many cognates that might be, like, a little misleading, but, um, you know, like, they were they were conservative insofar as they were Bible-believing Christians, and so they, like, I don't know, they didn't like gay people, for instance, except... Well, that's not even the right way to put it. They didn't like gay marriage, it seems to me, but they mm-hmm. they have songs that go out of their way to talk about um, affirming gay people and not pushing them out or making them feel bad or whatever, like all the way back yeah. in the, the mid-90s. Um, mm-hmm. And that's pretty wild, <laughs> like yeah, super bonkers. I, mean, I remember them, they dropped the phrase, love the sin or hate the sin at some point, which is like, yeah, it's weird when you think of it contextually, because... From where I'm at, I find that phrase pretty gross when I hear yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, in if you're like a 90s evangelical, that that is a stepping stone, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, don't want to make any, like, um, apologies for people who are, like, homophobic because no, that sucks, fine. right? Yeah. I mean, there are people in the 90s who weren't homophobic and, like, uh, Five Arm Frenzy didn't have to be. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's like, also true. <laughs> but, like, I mean, but, but you're right, though, at the same time. Contextually, it, it makes sense. I mean, the the 90s were a, a different time, uh, for sure. I mean, this this speaks a little bit to their character, maybe, that can put some of this into con- into context, too. Like, you know, they have a lot of these, like, conservative Christian hangups, but still in, like, uh, the late 90s, I don't remember exactly which year it was, there's this really pretty important Scott tour that happened called Scott Against Racism. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. So I don't know if you're familiar with the band Skank and Pickle or the Bruce Lee <laughs> band. <laughs> but uh, there's this dude, there's this guy who's like a really big deal in, in ska called Mike Park, who uh, he I think he ran Asian Man Records. Let me think. 
yeah and there's there's a bunch of other bands like or if you like jeff rosenstock um oh or yeah the music yeah. industry mike parks i think a part of those projects as well anyways but mike parks big thing and ska has always been kind of like riffing off of the um like the the anti-racist or at least trying to be anti-racist roots of ska um because that was a big deal during the two-tone like the second wave of ska uh in the uk but anyways all that say that uh five arm frenzy they they were they were on the tour they were in ska against racism so like this is interesting like um you know these different orbits that they're caught up in like they're these like um you know they're they're in the anti-racist ska tour but also they like are still in the orbit of all these like uh evangelical christians who are against gay marriage and kind of trying to figure that out too. So it's, it's such a weird, um, a weird thing to make sense of, you know, all these overlapping things. Yeah, yeah I think sure. that's right. I mean, they're like, I was listening to a bunch of old five round frenzy albums today, uh, trying to get myself in the headspace for this episode. And I was like struck by how many of them, I think prepared me to become way more radical over time. Like, uh, I mean, they have, um, you know, they have songs about like indigenous genocide, right? Like talking about, uh, killing crazy horse and stuff like that. That was yeah, like a huge yeah. thing. They have songs like song after song con- criticizing, not just consumerism, but capitalism itself. Like, uh, I was thinking of the song Giants. I was talking to Matt earlier about how in that song Giants, which is from uh, their album, All the Hype That the Money Can Buy, um, that's like a 90s album. And they name Adam Smith in that song as like an enemy explicitly. And they talk about the wealth of nations being very bad. And it's like, whoa, no wonder that I turned out to be a Marxist. (laughs) Being like, (laughs) those are the people I was really into when I was 15 or something. Yeah, no, for sure. Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah, they're good. (laughs) They're good, man. What else can you say? That sums it all up. It does. Well, so Five Iron Frenzy's good. The Insiders are bad. The OC Super Tomes are okay. That's... I could I could talk about how bad the Insiders are for a little bit here. Please. <laughs> yeah. Do it. I don't know. I, I mean, this is based off of a brief perusal of, like, very brief research here. Um, Honestly, I think that's more than you need. No. So Insiders, insiders like, got famous in 98. Um, and they got it because of Scalaluya, which I'll, I'll give them credit that album was not what they like intended to be their their thing, uh, but that was the one that took off. So they were kind of definitely forced into being um, as Christian as they were. Uh, so so Skullaluya is the album where they just cover all these like worship songs and stuff. Like there's like a ska, I would barely call it ska, but a ska cover of Shout to the Lord and stuff like that mm-hmm. on it. Um, I feel like something like that's going to happen to this podcast, except it's going to be our <laughs> Mr. Hands episode, and we're just going to be stuck with that. <laughs> they, uh, uh, the Insiders, though, they do have a, they have an album. So, like, they broke up. They've broken up, like, I think two or three times. But they do have an album called Soundtrack to a Revolution, which sounds like it should be really exciting. Um, <laughs> it's not, what, though. It's not. But uh, here's not the, that kind of revolution. <laughs> the wrong kind. The wrong kind. Yeah. Uh, but what a, a really weird thing, though, is when they got back together for that album, a bunch of uh, there's a few people that are unlikely characters that that were in the insiders. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. He was in the band, the Suicide Machines, which is actually a very good ska band. Um, and mm. uh, another guy, too, but I cannot remember for the life of me. But it's it's weird that the, I mean, I don't know, you know, that's kind of the way ska works in general is that like there's a bunch of people who are into ska and they play in ska bands and then they you know more than likely will show up in another ska band and probably three other ska mm-hmm. bands after that and yeah. even if you're a christian ska band you know you're gonna you're gonna end up with the, the dude from suicide machines in your band and it's just gonna be okay well, ska is just, life ska is life that's what that's what i'm saying it's a lifestyle 
it's a lifestyle. You got you if you're in one ska band, it's not like you can join a different type of band. People won't let you. Right. That... <laughs> you you're you ruined get blacklisted. Yeah. It's on your resume, and you're just in it for life. Okay, except for that one time that Reese Roper did a song on that Showbread album. Mm. That's true. That's true. That's true, man. Uh, yeah. So so uh, obviously, insiders were on the 700 Club at 99, which says that says a lot. And so, uh, but also they, they went on tour with the Skeletones, which, you know, are like, they're not, not a, not a Christian ska right. band. And they, they forced the members of the Skeletones to do a Bible study with them every night. I love that. And then cool. ended up converting two of them. No, I don't love that. <laughs> no. I mean, so we actually do something similar on this show. So if you guys don't mind buckling in, <laughs> please open your Bibles, man. <laughs> There's this, uh, on the Magnificast, there's this uh, book that Dean and I are big fans of called The Gospel in Sol and Taname, where this uh, Marxist priest reads the the Bible with, um, like, campesinos in Nicaragua. And as, I just imagine the same thing, but it's uh, the insiders <laughs> doing it with, <laughs> with the Scottons. I would, I would love to read that book. I want to I want to know all the Scott takes on the Bible they came up with in the backstage of those uh, venues. <laughs> Yeah, so the insiders they they kind of dropped off the face of the earth after they broke up and everything. But there's a little thing in the Wikipedia about post breakup, like what they're all doing. Hmm. Um, where are they now? Where are they now? Kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and most of them are just like he's a teacher now or something like that, like you'd expect. But one of them is, uh, let's see, Joe. Let's see, uh, what's his name? just says joe which is annoying i wish i knew which joe uh <laughs> the insider when, joe yeah the yeah. insider joe yeah he's a cop now <laughs> oh my god that makes sense <laughs> which <laughs> i think is so fucking funny like being a being a punk guy and then like well i'm done with that time to i guess be a police officer i don't know let's put some real big quotes around punk guy though <laughs> that's also true <laughs> You know, that actually, though, kind of uh, thinking of that and thinking of the soundtrack to the revolution, it makes me these are here's some questions about Christian ska that I think about every once in a while in the shower, but never have a chance to talk about. So maybe we can sort it out here. And that's that's what it is. Shower thoughts out here. That's what this is for. Exactly. So, okay, like Matt was saying earlier, ska has a lot of geopolitics involved and it does emerge originally as a kind of uh, anti-racist and eventually, um, you know, really it's a sincerely radical musical tradition. Um, When it couples with punk, there's all kinds of other kind of anarchist and socialist things that feed into that stream. By the time Christians get around to it, it's really weird to see what happens to that rhetoric because so many songs, the insiders are the best example, but it happens in Five Iron Frenzy too. So many songs just like brazenly appropriate that revolutionary rhetoric and feeling, but they put it in terms of like Christianity or the Christian revolution yeah. or like the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. And I got to say that is like the grossest thing in the world to me to like, yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is literally like the recolonization of this kind of music. And yeah. uh, it bothers me a lot. There's kind yeah, of like for a while. That's like the entirety of a lot of not all, obviously, but a lot of Christian punk. Yeah. Like the revolution for God. Right. Well, I mean, uh, Christian, like Christian stuff in general can really, it's really like ready to appropriate that type of language too. Cause it's about, you know, you you're making this radical change in your heart. Right. And it's just like mm-hmm. transposing the, the cool language about revolution to, to something dumb. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, with the youth. That's yeah, actually right. uh pretty, it's, pretty, pretty funny. Like I, I, that, I mean, sorry that like 
jumps to my head. Like my my girlfriend um, bought a book called The Revolution because. Uh, you know, she she's on the far left and thought, oh, a uh, book called The Revolution. I'll read that. And then after buying it, opened it up and it was like an apologetics book. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they get you. That's how they reach you, heathens. It's a bummer. Uh, I mean, like, it sucks because, okay, the specials, they're a ska band, they're secondly a ska band, and they are legitimately good and awesome and listen to all of the specials on Spotify or whatever. Like they have a song about freeing Nelson Mandela when it like it was not a popular thing and Nelson Mandela was not someone people liked because yeah, he was yeah. a communist. But like it sucks that you'd go from that to like uh yeah, the revolution in my heart. Like such a, <laughs> a dumb watering mm-hmm. down of something that's cool. Well, it's tough. It's almost like, like a weird owl version of other songs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like no substance to it, but it's just kind of we're taking this style or we're taking the songs and we're we're essentially doing covers and parodies. Of secular music. I think part of it's like there's a there's like the musical side of it. But like, I think Christians are really good at finding a way to like launder radical ideas. Mm. Maybe I might say like conservatives as a whole, too. If you think about like just the neocons as a whole, like all these like former Trotskyites, like suddenly become like conservative interventionists. But I even think of it like, um, okay, so like I was I was forced to like. Um, you know, like to watch a lot of John Stone Street and um, kind of like these these worldview apologetics type folks um, when I was younger. And if you like do a genealogy of where they got what they're talking about, it's like John Stone Street, this like rabid conservative talking about how media is influencing us all in this like liberal uh, secular way. You take him, you go back. He's influenced by the by uh Thomas David Gordon's book, Why Johnny Can't Preach. Hmm. Thomas David Gordon is influenced by Neil Postman, you know, amusing ourselves to death. And then you get Neil Postman is influenced by Jack Sewell, an anarchist. And so, like, you have this thing that started out as this, like, left concept in France or whatever. And then it just kind of slowly gets itself laundered into the, like, Christian conservative world. It loses all the radicalism and then just takes the media's trying to control you. <laughs> Yeah, ironically, uh, Elul is kind of a weird conservative Christian too. But I guess that's like a conversation for another time. <laughs> I, uh, but that, like, that sounds like something uh, something on the Magnificast. Hey, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, but I I don't know. The Christian angle is so weird because it's like already there's something kind of weird about third wave Scott in general because it is a it is literally a, a white commodification of black radical music, right? Like that that is what's yeah, going yeah. on in that situation. Mm-hmm. And the Christian third wave is like doubly worse because it adds it, again, it adds on the colonial language uh, back onto that whole situation. And I hate that a lot. Like I was so again, re-listening to Fire Brand Frenzy. I keep going back to all the hype the money can buy album because I guess I don't know. That was the one I was <laughs> zeroing in on while I was doing other stuff. And uh, there's a song on there called Solidarity. And I was like, whoa. I remember that song. What's that about? And uh, re-listening to it, it borrows even musically from kind of world music in general. Like the the horn themes are a bit different. Um, and so it's trying to tap into a kind of like global south sound in a weird way. Um, but the solidarity they're talking about is literally like speaking with one voice as like the united Christian movement or whatever. And I was like, whoa, 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 guys, this is not <laughs> not what anyone should do. Like slow your roll. Yeah. Like on the one hand, I mean, there's something good about it insofar as Fire and Frenzy is trying to locate themselves in a like bigger global historical thing. 
thing, and that's actually pretty impressive for 1990s evangelicals, but, like, it's mm. a perfect example of how that very task can also end up, like, completely demolishing or doing violence against that very thing. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a whole nest of, nest of issues. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, you know, there's, like, this... I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Um, I've heard people say, okay, so like the whole thing about ska and like the third wave ska being appropriative is like a a conversation people have had before, to say the very least. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And like some people try to say, though, that like, well, you know, like ska from its beginning, beginnings is always appropriative, right? Because like the um, like a hallmark of um, I mean, a hallmark of any basically any wave of ska is that they like do ska covers of things like that's a thing, right? So people try to like make that like that's a a feature of the medium or something. So people will try to make arguments that like, well, you know, it's not super appropriative because like that's what Scott does. But um, that's really bullshit, given like the history of Scott and like the kind of ways that was happening in like earlier Scott movements. Um, mm. Sorry, this is becoming a longer digression than I immediately meant. No, but no, it's good. In um, so so like in the 50s, when Scott was like, like kind of like forming and like sort of gestating in Jamaica, you know, people. It, it happened because um, post-World War II, that's like when people were able, like in Jamaica, were able to get like army surplus radios and like hear and hear radio from the United States, right? So this like that's like the sort of first moment of like cross-pollination of these, uh, you know, types of cultural musics. But mm-hmm. then it, super interesting is like when ska started kind of getting going and it was like, um, you know, mashing up all of these types of music, um, you know, like the, the ska bands in Jamaica, but, you know, and then ska bands in the UK and whatever, they would do covers of like popular songs. Like, um, I mean, like there are, there are like early ska bands doing like Beatles, like Beatles covers and stuff. And it's like really interesting because, That's um, super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, cause now there's like, uh, well, we can talk about some of this more recent stuff later but like right now there's a thing called scott tune network that's like super famous for <laughs> doing like these like wild ass scott covers that are cool. yeah yeah but like that has like a that the covering the song has like some deep roots in scott but it's really interesting because back in like in the 50s and the 60s um it was because like the ska bands could get away with doing that and like recording those songs because like the uh the precursor to like international copyright law hadn't reached jamaica in like a legal sense <laughs> So they could like, you know, it was basically like uh, it was pirating music via like live <laughs> recreation of it. But anyways, all, all that I'm trying to say is like that's kind of like baked into the roots. It's like LimeWire, but yeah, totally. It's like <laughs> instead wire, of porn, it's ska. That's right. <laughs> but anyways, that, that's like all baked into ska. But it like it meant something different than than uh, you know like the ways that third wave ska uh, appropriates the yeah I mean cultures and uh, styles of. Uh, yeah, mm. Jamaica and second wave ska and whatever. That's really yeah. fascinating. That's I, really. Good. I did yeah. not know any of this about ska going in, and this is. You're welcome. Well, no, <laughs> thank I you, mean, thank I you. Mean, <laughs> I, I I vaguely was aware of like the the first two waves, but like yeah, the 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 geopolitical context for it that's that's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it's always weird to find out that things happen outside of the United States. <laughs> Hard to believe. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but it's also like that. That appropriation that's happening in Jamaica is obviously very different than, like, you know, whatever it is. It's a new army subject, protecting your neck.
make real big fish. Something smelled of power tripping, crowd yeah, control was rank. Tear gas everyone downtown. What you do? Well I guess let's let's move on to end segments. Um, yeah. Alright, well let's uh real quick our, our final takeaways on ska. Yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea. So is any good children's programming? What did you learn today? <laughs> Uh, I learned that Matt is uh, easily swayed by um, <laughs> by peer bullying. Yep. <laughs> if you say it, it's probably true. I'm probably wrong in almost every no, situation. No, it's not. Oh. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that Matt knows a lot about the history of Scott. No, that was, yeah, that was really much more than he let on at the beginning Can of this I, episode. Let me share this really quick. One time uh, in my sophomore year of high school, I did have to take a speech class and we had to give a speech about something. Oh, something we liked. And I picked Scott and I did give um, I, I gave something very <laughs> similar to this uh, to my my sophomore speech class. So um, there you go. I learned this in high school. You've been preparing yeah. a lifetime for this episode. This, this yep. is the episode. <laughs> this, one, this is your big my break whole life yeah <laughs> oh my god uh i guess my takeaway is that uh sometimes ska is uh politically really cool and sometimes it's really bad oh let me let me say this just really quick then um i think that people I, w- during the third wave of ska people like liked to hate it and like they got really like uh you know it's not cool like ska anymore or whatever and i think that's fair it's not cool to like ska but like there's reasons to like it anyways um, all that to say, I think that there's a lot of like really cool things happening with ska music right now um, that yeah, people should yeah. maybe pay attention to. So I mentioned a few minutes ago, Scott Team Network, which is dope, just does like covers of every ska song, and it's fantastic. Their name is Jeremy Hunter, and they have a really cool uh, YouTube channel. But they're also um, a part of a band called We Are the Union, and uh, there's a bunch of other bands that kind of orbit around them um, in this thing called Bad Time Records. So if you want to get into what's happening in ska now. You can listen to Bad Time Records and uh, and and get into it. It's cool. Like lots of interesting ways that um, I think like ska has sort of picked up on um, you know what was good about third wave ska and then like um, made it more interesting and a lot more political in a lot of reasons, a lot of ways too. So yeah, I just want to want to let everyone know that third wave ska is not the end and end all and be all of ska. It's still happening. It's still going on around you. You're <laughs> entering the fourth wave. Ska will <laughs> never die. Fourth wave Scott and the pink tide need to crash together. That's really the key. That's true. Yeah. You know, there's a uh, there's a band uh, that is uh, on uh, Bad Time Records called Bad Operation. It's a really cool band. Um, anyways, uh, Brooklyn Vegan of like a punk publication kind of thing wrote an article about them. They called it New Tone. So that's what Scott is Whoa. these days. New Tone. Ooh. New Tone. Yeah. New words that's and everything. Right. Well, I guess that yeah, well, that moves us to the end segments. Yeah. So, so I don't think we have any new Patreon subscribers, and no, I don't no. think we have any new things on iTunes. No, no, so we, we do, probably... we do. We oh, do we have do. an iTunes review, yeah. What? That's crazy. People listen to us? There, one second. I'll find it. Oh, there we go. This one comes from Mike Hawksmall. Uh, According to all known laws of aviation, there is no way that a bee should be able to, to fly... It's, I'm not going to read any more of that. I, its wings are too small to get <laughs> yeah, its fat yeah, little body yeah. off the ground. Yeah, the bee, yeah. of course, flies anyway. Because bees don't care what human thinks is impossible. Thank you. Five stars. Thank you for that. What a great fan base we have. Uh, that brings us on to my favorite segment, which is uh, Patreon. Uh, you guys have to give us a Patreon ad. What? Um... 
basically, re- realistically, I just stick some music behind whatever you say. Okay. Uh, all right. Dean, do you want to go first? Yeah, that, well, all right. We'll see what we can do here. <clears throat> this podcast is, first of all, very legal, very cool, but you already know that. Uh, by spending money to support these two fine fellas, you can hear more classics like uh, Matt Pernico tells you the history of ska. Uh, Matt Pernico tells you about some weird ska shows he saw in rural Illinois. And Matt Pernico will tell you once again about the latest ska trends that you love to hear. Uh, those are just some of the things you can uh, enable by paying for this podcast on Patreon.com. If anyone pays you $10 a month, I will literally write them an email to tell them about rural ska shows. <laughs> ska shows in rural Illinois. I'll tell them all the <laughs> names of the bands. I will find some CDs in my oh. mom's house. Why are you uh, threatening them, Matt? You, you, <laughs> <laughs> threatening you with a good time. You gotta be careful Honestly, about, I'm about interested. You gotta be careful about saying that because um I, I was making jokes like that at the beginning of the show and I ended up having to buy books for various people because uh, of those I won't jokes. Buy so anything. But uh, uh, here's the thing though, I will start a sub stack that's just about about my Scott adventure. My Scott adventure, <laughs> if you will. Um uh, cool. So if you if you if you support the show at the three dollar a month level, Josiah will uh, transcribe an insider song for you in his own by his own hand and mail it to God you. Damn it! Sealed with a kiss. <laughs> That's right. At the five dollar level, he'll do it twice. Sealed with two kisses. And the ten dollar level, I don't know. Um, three the three kisses. Level, That's what you get. He uh, donates to the 700 Club on behalf of the uh, insiders. <laughs> God damn it. Josiah, sounds like you got your work cut out for you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, so, su- <laughs> so support Patreon, yeah. Well, uh, I think that moves us on to the next segment. Twitter news. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the media said this interlude is amazing. I have to. That looks easy. <laughs> somebody, somebody, good. I listened to your podcast before, and you guys do that every time, and I always think it's not going to be that long, right? And it always is. <laughs> it's always that long. Yeah, and just a little bit longer. Yeah. There's an episode where he played it four times in a row just to piss me off. It, it was pretty bad. Um, anyway, uh, so we got our first our first tweet for you guys today. I'm sending it in the Discord here, if it'll come up. This is from at David Korn DC. And he says, when Trump was elected, I decided I'd only wear black ties. It was a personal and private act of mourning. I didn't say anything about it. And almost no one noticed over the past four years. <laughs> today. <laughs> today and uh it is it's uh him wearing a not not a black tie anymore <laughs> a beige tie even not not only is it not a black tie it's the single worst tie he could have found like <laughs> it doesn't it's like not match a party what he's tie. wearing he looks like a radio shack employee <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the promoter for the ska show <laughs> he's just wearing a khaki tie I think we're missing the forest for the trees here, though, because his name is David Corn. Yeah, that's also <laughs> a fair point to make. And he's built like a mannequin. 
next up, uh, we, we've got Sorry, this. Sorry, did you want to um, say what you've been doing to privately mourn for the last uh, four years? <laughs> mm. I've been posting a lot. Um, right, right. Yeah, that was my act of defiance. I just cry a lot, mostly. I'm I'm doing the thing like uh, like Sartre and Camus and all of them did, where they just published books during fascism, uh, and then afterwards they were like, actually, those were all allegories about why fascism's bad. That's what I've been doing for the last four years. Is just you know posting, but it was actually all po- <laughs> it was actually all resistance. You didn't realize it's. Uh, next up, we got uh, at MF Cannon, which said. Uh, if everyone who voted Speaking Republican, of names. <laughs> this, this is a segment of good names. That's a good it's point. Fucking MF Cannon. <laughs> uh, if everyone who voted Republican instead voted Libertarian, Biden would have lost, and our next president would be a free trade, <laughs> tax cutting, government shrinking, second Second Amendment protecting woman. Never let Republicans forget how they threw their votes away in 2020. <laughs> Man, never think about it. If every if everyone who voted Republican instead was a cow, we'd have a whole lot of cows. Do you think? Can you imagine <laughs> That's that? That's true. Dude, if every imagine, single person who voted like, Republican voted for Bernie Sanders, our president would be Bernie Sanders. Holy shit! Can you imagine that if the majority of people voted one way instead of another, things would be different? That's, That's what I'm saying, man. If everyone who voted, <laughs> listen to this one. If everyone who voted Libertarian and everyone who voted Lib- Republican and everyone who voted Democrat voted for Michael F. Cannon to be president of the United <laughs> States of America, he could be our president-elect right now. I'll it's never let everyone in America if, forget that. If everyone who'd voted Democrat subscribed to our Patreon, we'd be rich now. That's <laughs> true, actually. That is true. They'd also have that a lot of hand, handwritten insider's letters. So true. That's true. That, that I would, I would be a lot of letters I'd be writing. That's true. Which is fine, because, you know, you're doing it. <laughs> uh, let's maybe do the last one. Uh, I'm going to skip one of them. This one just made me sad, and so I'm going to I'm gonna read it. It's actually a thread, so I'm going to read through the m- more than one, just the one tweet that came up here. This is from at, uh, do any of you know how to pronounce that name? Aylet? Aylet? Waldman? I don't know. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, she says... In the winter, I like to donate to help pay the heating bills for folks around here in rural Maine. But this year, as I drove by one trailer after another festooned with Trump banners, I thought, fuck you, I'm donating that money to the Senate campaigns. I have been feeling so much rage and loathing. Tonight, when Joe spoke about an end to this grim era of demonization, my first response was, nope, fuck em. But then I felt a stab of shame. Therapists say that feelings can follow behavior, so I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to act like I don't hate the Trump supporters around me. I'm going to perform what? compassion and healing. And that seems like a nice arc. I'm going to donate to the heating fund, and maybe that behavior will transform my heart. I'm going to do it for Joe Biden. Will you Who shut up, man? <laughs> It's, I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> it's so, it's, even the like turnaround arc at it is still like I'm doing it for Biden. <laughs> yeah. That's so disappointing. It's like all liberals know is means testing. And if not, it's not if not like, uh, you know, you have a job or you deserve it. It's like, do you believe the right thing? I hate this. Yeah. 
It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, pretty man. bad. Remember, human lives only have value if they agree with you. Mm-hmm. I believe I that. I mean, it's tough. Like, I get it. I get frustrated when I drive home to my hometown in rural Michigan as well, and I see Trump banners all over the place, and I, too, think in my brain, fuck you. But... Boy, do I want them to have universal health care <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> right. It's so I just, important. I don't wish them dead. You know, I don't. Like, uh, that's sad. It's, yeah, I feel like a lot of this, a lot of the Trump talk from liberals is like a closeted way to say that they hate poor people generally. And that's depressing. I don't know. It's depressing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it sucks because, like, uh, I don't know. Liberals are all oh, okay. Hang on. <laughs> liberals all have right, been like, go. yeah, liberals have been bashing like the progressives and the socialists after the election. And it's so stupid um, because socialists actually have something to say to every single person because, you know, they want a, a, a change universally, not just for like people who they think deserve it. But um, yeah. mm-hmm. it sucks. It sucks that that's the voice that gets like censored and pushed aside. Yeah, what yeah. drives me absolutely bonkers about it is like, all right, a lot of people, a lot of poor people did vote for Donald Trump. A lot of poor people didn't vote at all, because why would mm-hmm. they? Yeah, uh, yeah. But the biggest thing is like lots and lots of rich people who make enough money to know a lot better also voted for Donald Trump. And why yeah, anybody doesn't people. have any contempt for them is a complete mystery to me. I mean, it's not, but it does drive me crazy. Right, right. Because right. this fuck you is delivered at a trailer park, not not mm-hmm. at like the CEO that voted for Trump by any means. It's depressing. All right. I'm looking right now. I've never looked this up before, so I could be wrong, but I'm looking at stat statista.com, which I'm sure is reputable. And it says, <laughs> based on exit polls from 2020, that people under $50,000 U.S. voted uh, 42% Trump, 57% Biden. Whereas people making over a hundred thousand voted fifty four percent Trump and forty three percent Biden, so it's like, come on, guys, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not the poor's, yeah, yeah. And on that cheery note, this has been Twitter news. <laughs> oh, that was depressing. That was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> what, what? Yeah. Why oh, did I end on little, that one? that was easy all right well let's let's just do some plugs and then we're done uh let's go ahead uh dean do you want to start off since you're you're in more of a time crunch i think sure um plugs let's see i co-host a podcast as you've surely heard already um it's my podcast but uh matt brennico is on it as my co-host and it is called the magnificast we talk about christianity and leftist politics um i do a bunch of writing as a journalist you can find all that at dean uh and you can follow us on twitter let's see is there anything else i'm missing matt um what else should we plug here? We, we've got a Patreon. I don't know. What do you, what, what should we say? Just follow us on Twitter. It's fine. Yeah. Don't give us money. Just follow us on Twitter. That's uh, okay. Your your faves and your retweets are as good as gold to us. <laughs> They're as good as gold and my landlord does accept them. <laughs> uh, we do not yeah. echo that yeah, sentiment. I, we I, want I, money. <laughs> I've not paid rent in three months, but I, I do have 100 likes on Twitter. So, like... <laughs> 
uh cool yeah uh you can follow me on twitter at uh at matt underscore bernico um and also the Manx cast i don't know oh hey i also do this other podcast too i should probably mention because it's kind of just starting it's called beyond the page and it's a npr for communists um through people's world so it's very good that's awesome. yeah nice it's cool it's like uh, if you've ever listened to npr it's like that but communist there you go that's the whole pitch um so it's Sweet. cool yep it comes yeah. out like every other week um i need to go. check that out yeah love it it's always current events so if you listen to the old episodes <laughs> it's like well you know you know how they turn Not out so you current know? Spoil- spoiler, yeah. no suspense <laughs> yeah <laughs> But there's some good analysis there from uh, the reporters at People's World. It's pretty fun. Um, I learn something every time I do an episode. So maybe and maybe you will, too. (laughs) I refuse to learn. So I do even against my will. (laughs) Damn. Well, I would like to, you know, since it sounds like uh, Dean and Matt, you guys are having some power struggles in the in the Magnificast on (laughs) Who owns it? I want to. Uh, I, I would like squash to squash that right now, though. Can can I just say it's Dean's podcast? I'm gonna... <laughs> oh, okay. Well, all right, all right. Well, that that kind of kills my plug. Oh, I was sorry. gonna plug the Love Dare and say, uh, you know, maybe you guys should try the the therapy that we've been trying to much success. Um, if you know, Josiah would stop screwing it up. Um, <laughs> I can't the... send you guys the 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 PDF that I found online of it. <laughs> I mean, the thing if, is, if is you uh, need... our our relationship is stronger than ever. I, I mean, deep down, you know, the, the bond is tight. It's just it's the power struggle over the propri- the proprietary relationship. That's the real issue. So if we could go to like uh, business <laughs> partners mm. counseling, I think that's what we really need. Mm. No, I'm saying give it to you. You can have it all. All right. I'm taking it. And Matt, I'm sorry to say, but you are going to have to clean up after every episode from now on. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, in in a way, I feel that I did solve that. So yeah. uh, we did the love dare. Plug but it was condensed. Right. Right. A very quick love dare. I think we did more of a love truth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And and per usual, I would like to plug the coronavirus. <laughs> it's out there. It's doing plug its it. thing, and I think plug it right it's up. doing what it does very well. That's and so, true. All right, well, um, I'd like to plug the uh, 2018 science fiction epic, The Meg. Uh, You know how Jaws is a cool allegory about consumption and how greedy capitalists will continue to pursue profit even if it endangers thousands of people's lives? Okay, now imagine if it had none of that. Um, And it said the movie just felt like, uh, like the last third of a movie, but the whole movie's like that. And there's like it's like ninety mm. percent sharks and explosions and Jason they uh, Statham like talking in a low voice. Uh, that's the Meg. I like it. Yeah. Uh, also, just plug uh, Superstore because I've been rewatching through that, and I, I was su- it's like always sub- shocks me that a, that a sitcom can have decent politics. Mm. Uh, that that throws me off. Like like main most of the plot is about like unionizing. Uh, so yeah. I'm and how many sharks this. are in that one? In the Meg? Right, no, in uh, Superstore. Uh, Just the bosses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, corporate's the real shark. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up. Thank you so much for listening to Very Legal, Very Cool, uh, an episode about how great of a co-host Jerry is. Aww.
Uh, our music is a garage band loop I suck a drum beat behind. And you can find us at VLegalVCoolPod on Twitter or at VeryLegalVery.Cool. Very Legal, Very Cool is brought to you in part by The Insiders. The Insiders are a revolutionary band in the third wave of Christian ska that have really defined a genre. And we at Very Legal, Very Cool are very proud and very supportive of the message that they put out and everything that they have said, spoken, or sung. Um, and Josiah is a, a full supporter who will... Who will uh, back all that up and so you can use the the code in the show notes to get a discount on any or all of their discography 10% and that code is very legal very ska dot cool <laughs> and on that note